Welcome to Roman's Road, the podcast of me, Eddie Roman. This is where we talk about evangelism and apologetics and all kinds of Christian stuff. So here I am in the midst of a uh, so-called pandemic living in Southern California, and many people are fleeing the state. They don't like the shutdowns. They don't like Governor Newsom. There's a whole lot not to like, and so people are just leaving in carloads. But the one thing that is still wonderful and amazing and perfect about California is the beach. So I go down to the beach pretty regularly, and I get into conversations with people about Jesus. And the beach, even during all the uh, COVID stuff, still remains one of the places where a lot of people go just to hang out and kind of do nothing, just kind of to uh, relax and take in the beauty of God's creation. Whether they would call that God's creation or not, that's exactly what they're doing. They're just enjoying the goodness of God through the gift of his creation. And so a lot of people at the beach hanging out, some wearing masks, some not. And it's just a really great place to be going right now. So I've been going down to the beach um, pretty much throughout this whole pandemic and talking to a a lot of people. And so an interview I'm going to play today is with a man named Joseph. And this was a really interesting one. It really taught me a very good lesson about listening. So I'll just set the, the setting here. I go down to the beach. We have this, we have a couple different things we put up basically to get into conversations with people. So one of them is the prayer stand, and it is just a big, kind of like a speaker stand, but instead of a speaker on top, it says prayer, and it's pretty big. It goes, the sign is about, uh, I don't know, eight or nine feet up in the air. Down towards the bottom, there is a carousel with a bunch of tracks on it. So it's a very cool, professional-looking thing that says prayer on it. And so, you know, we'll set it up, and people will come over, and they'll they'll get some of the tracks. Um, you know, people will even come over and just ask for prayer. You know, I've, I've had people come over and, and just, like, look at the sign and then look around and go, Who, who's, who's going to pray for me? <laughs> it's kind of funny. And you get into all kinds of great um, conversations that way. I'll have to do a show specifically on the prayer stand at some point and kind of how it works and how to get into conversations with it. But today, on this day, I was out at the beach um, setting up the prayer. Well, I go to set up the prayer stand, and I'm with my, my friend Mark, and we have our agenda. Our agenda is this. Set up this prayer stand in the place we normally go, our spot, and start talking to people. So we roll up, and the problem is there is someone in our spot. And unfortunately, um, you can't reserve the spots at the beach. Actually, it's, it's you know, there's nothing fortunate or unfortunate about it. It's the beach. So some days we roll up, and the place I want to set up, maybe there is a mu- musician there with a hat out trying to make money over his horrible music that he's playing. Sometimes it's actually good. Um, Or there could be a street performer or just a guy sitting there. And normally when there's a guy sitting there, I might wait a couple minutes to see if he's just going to leave soon. Um, I might roll up my little cart with all my junk in it and put it next to him and and, uh, see if he's going to leave. Well, with... This guy, who I came to find out his name is Joseph, 
Joseph is sitting in a chair at my spot. And not only that, across the way from him, about, I don't know, 20 feet away, he has another chair. And on the chair, there is a speaker set up and he's playing music. So it's really funny. It's like as if this is his living room and he's just hanging out, listening to his music right there at the beach. So it kind of made me laugh. Kind of, kind of, kind of, uh, just a funny beach takeover for your living room thing to do. Um, but at the same time, um, I still want my spot because it's a great spot. So anyway, I go over there and I set up basically kind of close to where he's sitting, and and I start setting up, and didn't really think about him at all, other than the fact that he was an obstacle to me talking to people about Jesus because he's in my spot. And so that's totally my mindset. And as I would come to learn, that is the stupidest mindset I could possibly have had, simply because Joseph is a human being. He's not just a, a thing in the way. And a lot of times in doing our evangelism, we will see people as things that are in the way when the reality is they themselves are actually the reason we're there. They're the, they're the ministry we are called to at the moment. So, I set up my stuff, and um, Joseph, he, he gets up at one point, he comes over, and he looks at his stuff, he looks at my stuff, I'm sorry, and he just reads the word prayer, and he basically, with this kind of scowl on his face, says, um, you guys think you know about God? And I wasn't recording at this point, I wish I would have, and I was like, yeah, a little bit, kind of, I don't know. What do you say to something like that? You think you know about God? And then he starts talking about how people don't know the truth about God, but they think they do. And it was just kind of this jumbled um, mess of him trying to communicate what God really is like. And so I immediately thought, you know what? I got a podcast. And so I asked Joseph, hey, um, would you mind if I recorded you? I'd, I'd love to hear this. And his countenance immediately changed. He no longer was kind of seeming angry at us. But all of a sudden, he was like, yeah, that'd be great. And so we went over and sat right next to my spot slash his chair. He sat in his chair. And, and all of a sudden, he was the nicest guy in the world. And he just started talking. And it was super interesting and also, it was it was super convicting to me because, as far as I knew, this was just a dude in my way. So I want to play that conversation now, and I will come back with some comments as we go. All right. I've been studying for a long, long time the Bible, and I've been studying the attitude and the behavior of God himself and the whole, the whole history of the Bible. And I've been studying why God make us. Why God, or if he was real, or if he's real God, how come that we are in the insistence? How, how come the world is alive and I am alive? That's actually a really good question. Well, you know, if, why, why, if God exists, why would he make us? And so what, what have you thought about that question? And my point of view, it had to be something better, something way better that we see in our world and today or in the past. 
I think it's how to be a better reason for us to be alive. It has to be something total different than the things that we see. All right. Now, obviously, at this point, if I wanted to go all theological on him, I could have explained to him that we are here to glorify God and I can get into all that. But at this point, I just met him. I just want to listen to him. That's, that's my goal. I want to listen to him. I want to see where he's at. And I want to explain the gospel to him. And that's kind of that's kind of what I'm here for. So because of that, you're probably going to notice during this conversation, there's going to be times when I don't stop him when he says something that's wrong. And I'm not going to correct every single thing he says. Uh, that I, I'm, I mean, when I'm witnessing to someone, I'm listening. I want to see where they're at spiritually. But I don't believe it's my job to continually correct every little detail about every little thing someone says. I believe that if the person hears the gospel and they get saved, then the Holy Spirit will correct all that bad thinking at some point, right? So my goal here is to preach the gospel. So a big part of that is I'm just going to be listening. So God has to be better than us, and his reason for creating us has to be something good. Way better way better that the, the things that we're doing or the things that we believe and the things that we do it had to be a better reason so what i'm hearing is that as we look around in our lives right now there has to be some better reasons something more meaningful than this life right now is that what you're saying exactly that's exactly what i'm thinking see i compare my life and i compare the life of others and i'm not really satisfied who, who i am I think and I believe how to be better is something that I can do instead of just be sitting in my butt every day or doing something that I'm doing every day. It's like uh, going back to the same cycle every day, doing the same thing that I do every day, eating the same kind of food every day, taking the same shower every day, uh, or talking with the people every day. It's, it it has to be something better than all this mess that, that I am around. Wow, Joseph, I think you're hitting on something that a lot of people think about, but they don't know how to put it into words. And even in, in the Bible, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the author asks the question, basically, what's the point of life? What's the purpose? King Solomon, he was a very rich man in the Bible, but even he said, I got everything I need, but life is meaningless. And exactly. that's, that's what I hear you're saying. It's like you do the same thing every day, eat the same food. And it might be good food, but what's the point? Exactly. I want to share something to you. Uh, I've been clean for more than 25 years without any drugs and without any alcohol. Just so I understand that. So how long were you um, addicted? For more than probably 15 years or or 18 years, something like that. Wow! So for 18 years, you were you were addicted. What, what what were the what were the kind of drugs you were addicted to? If you don't mind me asking. I used to be addicted to alcohol and cocaine. I think that I opened my mind to something better, and my whole situation started to change because I was a a real threat for society in so many ways, and I was a threat. For my own self, I was not having any kindness for nobody. I was not doing any good for nobody. 
not even for myself. I was just living in the same cycle. Of course, I was working. I was doing good money because I'm an auto painter and mechanic and a welder. And uh, So even though you were addicted, you could do your job. You were a high-functioning alcoholic. You know, you, you, weren't, you weren't like a person on the side of the road. You were actually working. You had figured out a way to do your, do your work, do your job, but you were still had an addiction. Addicted to all that garbage. I call it garbage. And today, I call it garbage. Okay, so this is, uh, got very interesting to me very quickly because during the lockdowns and the, the, the COVID days, I actually have gotten very much into biblical counseling, and I'm currently counseling a couple guys who are addicts. And I have been reading tons of material on the Bible and addiction and all these different things. So, so right away, this is a uh, super interesting. And we're going to get into. I'm going to ask him some questions about his um, struggle and about his time in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'll tell you right off the bat that I do not like um, Alcoholics Anonymous for a lot of different reasons. You know, I shouldn't say that. I, I should say I do like some of the things they do, but there are big problems with them, especially its involvement with Christians and the church. The 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, in one sense, they're they're good when you just look at them at face value, but for a, a Christian who's following Jesus Christ, there's a lot of problems with them. And so I just want to get into... Um, a couple of them right now, the steps themselves, just because it'll make more sense as I'm talking to Joseph. So first of all, the first step of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says, we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Um, and the number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Okay, so like I said, at face value, these are good things um, if you just kind of fit them into whatever your Christian world already is. Uh, and so, number one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. And so that is a description of sin. That is a description of us being a slave to sin, as it says in John chapter 8. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Um, and then it says that our lives have become unmanageable. And so at face value... You might say, yeah, sure, that, that sounds right. But the problem I have with AA, one of the main problems, is what step one here excludes, and that is the word sin. It says, we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol. And, and when that is said, without the context of sin and the depravity of man, what a person can easily think is that Alcohol is some sort of disease or basically something that we don't have control over. It's like this outside force that has now got control. You are powerless over it and that our lives are un unmanageable. And what I like to point out to people is that alcohol, alcoholism, alcohol, you know, it, the Bible just simply calls it being drunk or being a drunkard or drunkenness. And the issue isn't that you're powerless over it, like it's some outside force that that is not your fault. 
and that you were just born that way and now you're you're succumbing to the power of alcohol. No, being drunk is a sin. And it's not that your lives had become unmanageable, it's that you are sinning and fallen into sin. And so, sure, there is some crossover there as far as being a slave to sin. But if a person doesn't have a Christian worldview already, and they're looking at this, the word sin isn't even there. And so that's, that's problem number one I have. Point one, problem one, no mention of sin. And then in, in 12 step number two, it says, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Now, this is where we get the term higher power from. You'll hear that quite a bit. And what this is saying, step two, a power greater than ourselves could restore us. In other words, again, from the Christian's point of view, you could say, well, Jesus can save me from my sin. Jesus can help me. And through God's power, I can be sanctified and changed and I can overcome my addiction. And that is absolutely true. But again, Number two does not say that. It doesn't say any of the Bible terms I just said. It just simply says, we came to believe a power greater than ourselves could restore us to number three. And now, even though there's not a whole lot of definition or clarification of what that power is in 12-step number two, we get it in 12-step number three, the third step. It says, make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And that, my folks, is the problem. It is, did I just call you my folks? I meant my friends. You are folks and friends. The issue of turning our lives over to the care of God as we understood him is just another way to say God as we have made him into the idol that we believe that he is. Right? AA, the problem with AA is that they present a power, but then they present that power it is as not God of the Bible, but whatever it is you want that power to be. So if you're a Christian, that God might be Jesus Christ. If you're a Muslim sitting next to the Christ, sitting next to the Christian in the AA meeting, that power may be Allah. If you're an atheist in that same meeting, your power that you're going to draw power from can be a coffee cup. And I actually have a friend who was in AA, and he told me that he knew a guy there who his power was a coffee cup. And the organization actually accepts that as his power. Basically, it's whatever you want it to be. Another guy I heard it was a doorknob. And so the structure is kind of there in that they're saying, direct your your will turn over your will to God, to the care of God. But then it messes the whole thing up by saying, as you understand him. So realistically, what ends up happening is people in AA, since a lot of people don't have any kind of relationship with Jesus Christ, they end up either drawing their power from an idol that is a false image of God, or they end up drawing their power from themselves. You know, you just got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Not that anyone really wears boots or straps much anymore, but pull your, you know, you, you do it on your own. You just got to fight through this. And from what I've seen, it simply doesn't work. It might work a little bit. It might work for a while. But in AA, you'll notice that they don't 
measure their success by how long they've been free from the bondage of sin, free from the, the drunkenness, the sin of drunkenness, but they measure their success in how many days they haven't given in to this supposed disease and they haven't gone back to what they believe is just a normal part of their life now. They just got to stay away from it. It's a disease. So in the same way where maybe someone who has leukemia, they need to do certain things and live a certain healthy lifestyle in order to keep their leukemia at bay, and they're going to manage it the best they can. To someone who is bought into the teaching of Alcoholics Anonymous and see their drunkenness not as a sin but as a sickness, just like leukemia, they might say, well, I am an alcoholic, but I just need to keep it at bay. I need to do these certain things and come to these meetings. And and they would never say, I am no longer an alcoholic. They would say, I have been sober for 20 years or whatever it is, right? And so there's a big difference there. Because in 2 Corinthians 5, um, a Christian is presented as a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. It's a very big difference from someone saying, yeah, I have this sin that's just a part of me, or I have this disease called alcoholism or drugs or whatever it is. They even even present the same thing with pornography now. There is Sex Addicts Anonymous, and instead of directing these people to repent, they are directing them just just to kind of keep it at bay. Same kind of thing. And the Bible is very clear that we need to repent, we need to turn. Now, is it difficult? Absolutely. If you're if you're someone who's been on drugs or alcohol for a whole whole lot of years, it's not going to be a simple thing. And that's one of the myths in Christianity. When a person turns to Christ, all of a sudden all the bad stuff goes away. And a lot of people see conversion as just the thing that not only cleans up their sin, but cleans up all their addictions and their sinful desires. And, you know, that's something that happens through the process of sanctification. But to think that a person can be very addicted to a a drug or alcohol, and all of a sudden they're going to pray a prayer and this event's going to happen where no longer they're going to care about their addiction. Well, that could happen for some people, but it doesn't happen for everyone. The Christian life is not an event, it is a struggle, it is a battle, it is a day-by-day following Christ and denying those things that drag you away from him, right? And so, anyway, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, even though they have a veneer, kind of a covering of goodness, and, and don't get me wrong, I am very glad that there is someone out there doing something to help alcoholics, but to say that Alcoholics Anonymous is a Christian organization or say that it's a thing that Christians should do. There are some churches who send their Christian members to AA meetings. There are some churches who allow AA to have their meetings in their churches. It's a contradiction. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You know, I'd never let a Mormon group into my church and say, you know what, you Mormons are good people. Can you teach our members how to be good people? Because um, it's good to be good. We would never do that, but for some reason, AA gets a pass, and they get to come in and teach all this um, false ideas about God and false ideas that you can just make God whoever you want him to be, 
and there is no thing called sin. It's just a disease. They can teach all this stuff, and somehow it's okay. So anyway, for those reasons, I am against AA being in churches or, or for Christians to go to AA for help. I really just think it's it's not something that Christians should be doing. So anyway, um, let's get back to Joseph. And I don't need that garbage anymore. But I was doing some research and during that period of time, what was my attitude that way? Why I was doing what I was doing and I was not finding any reason to do the same things all over and, and over again. And I think one of the main problems in society right now, people cannot get any satisfaction at all whatsoever. I used to have money myself. I used to have properties. I, uh, I used to be a collector of vehicles. I used to be a, co a coin collector. I used to be a collector of jewelry and all kinds of things. I used to be number one sales guy in LA for home materials and Avon. So I used to make a lot of money. I used to make a, a lot of money, but my heart it was so unsatisfied. It was one of the main reasons that I became to be an alcoholic and an addict at the same time. So Joseph, if you don't mind me asking, so what happened to all that money? I throw it away. On, uh, because of the drugs? Exactly. I throw it away. I uh, throw away a lot of things. Uh, what, what were some other things that you threw away because of your addictions? I think one of the worst things that I did, it was my relationship with my ex-wife. And I lost my kids and I lost my wife. I lost my home. I lost everything. So, Man, I'm really sorry to hear that, Joseph. I know that you're really bearing your heart right now, and, and I appreciate that. But you know what? I, I think this can really help a lot of people because I guarantee you there's a lot of people who are just like you in a situation where they had a lot once and alcohol and, and drugs just ruin their lives. And I know that one thing that every addict has in common is that they, they need a way out. Okay, so when I talked a couple minutes ago, you will notice I'm, you know, I can get kind of passionate about AA. But one thing I do not do is to communicate all that with a person when I start talking to them um, and they're an alcoholic. You know, obviously there is a difference between what I think and what I allow to come out of my mouth when I'm talking to someone. And, that, you know, that's just discernment. And that's a very important thing to remember when we're out evangelizing or doing apologetics. It's, it's not always necessarily a, a wise thing to just blast into information teaching mode at somebody when they're sitting in front of you. And it's obviously that they have a lot on their mind and they have a painful thing that they're sharing and that kind of thing. So I would hope you would see the difference between all the stuff I said a minute ago and why I don't like AA and what I'm actually saying in the conversation. I won't be contradicting myself. I won't be promoting AA or anything like that. But I also will not be blasting this guy with just all this negative stuff right out of the, the gate. So, so something to uh, just kind of keep in mind. I think one of the best things... Ha that it happened to me is try to understand what was the purpose of God towards me 
what it was the the meaning in the beginning when I, I when I became to understand that um, God he thinks different and that the way we think we don't think like God he thinks. Uh, no, that's true. The Bible actually says that. You know, we're 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 the creation, and He's the Creator, and so we don't think anything like Him at all. He's very different than us. So for us to think that we know what He thinks, with without you know understanding the the things that He's revealed to us Himself, I think that's one of the reasons there's so many different religions and so many idols and so many different things because people kind of make up their own God. Now, Joseph, let me ask you this: Were you ever in AA or NA or anything like that? It was not helping me at all. <laughs> Daddy was never helped me at all because everybody was pointing fingers at me. How long were you in? What, was it AA or NA you were in? I think it was a meetings. I've been to so many. But uh, the, one of the things that I never liked it was uh, the people that was pointing fingers at me. And I, How were they pointing fingers at you? And, and real quick, how long did you go to those meetings for? How many years? I went to them meetings like uh, more in probably 10 years or so. I appreciate in the way the the way they teach, but I don't appreciate the way they handle business like not hurting anybody's feelings and and a lot of people they do that very often. They they hurt the the feelings of other people. And so what are some of the ways where they would hurt your feelings in AA or what are the some of the things you didn't like? I think then the way is good that to be cruel and to say it like it is, whatever is happening or whatever is going on with the person. But it's, sometimes we have to watch out for that because to be so cruel can be painful for people. Would you say that your experience in AA might have been just you were with a certain group of guys and those guys were, were kind of mean or would you say that in all the different meetings you went to that was just kind of common for for men to talk down to other men or what do you what do you think i think that a lot of people in the a meetings the they try to keep superiority and and uh, Sup- superiority yeah they try to show that they are stronger than others or something, they are the bosses or something. And then it hurts others when they come sick for the first time or the or the struggling with addictions like me. I was one of them. So um, most of the things that we see is the, the real love and care and if we encounter somebody that he wants to help us or um, I think the human attitude should be loving and care like Jesus Jesus he was do you remember that Jesus went to the leprosies and hold the leprosies even if he was sick in that time and a lot of people don't do that in, in the AA meetings most of the time. The you know what? That's that's a that's a great point. I've never been through AA, but I've I've you know heard some about it. So what you're saying is you went to these meetings looking for compassion, looking exactly. for someone to help you, and what you got was kind of a power struggle and a, a bunch of guys who were maybe proud and just telling you to be strong and telling you to just just to just to get over it, um, but the compassion wasn't there. Would you say that's correct? Exactly. Ooh, man. And I would add that 
a lot of times addicts will go to churches and they will get the same thing. If you're if you're a Christian and you're trying to lead some someone, you know, to Christ and their sin comes up whatever it is, a lot of times Christians make the mistake of just blasting that person with all these verses about their sin. And we definitely need to speak the truth, but we also need to speak the truth in love. And when you listen to someone, it communicates to them that you care about them. And, you know, as Christians, we should care. Like, this guy's breaking my heart right now as I'm listening to him. And I'm just looking at this guy, and he obviously is not doing too well physically. Looks like he's, he's been beat up in a lot of different ways. And he's just kind of telling me the story of a horrible life just destroyed by his sin. Um, it's just horrifying. And so he just said that he went to AA and he didn't get any compassion. And, you know, he just saw a bunch of people who were just basically telling them to man up and, and be tough. And churches can be like that too, unfortunately. So you, and when I mean churches, I just mean people in the church. Church is the people, right? And so Christians can be like that too. So when someone comes to you and it's very obviously um, an issue of sin and whether it's uh, pornography or addiction or drugs or whatever, whatever it is, you got to have compassion on that person and not just blast them because of their sin, but actually listen to them and have an attitude of wanting to help this person in any way, in any way you can, you know? Uh, so I, I just love the fact that he brought that up about AA, but it applies anywhere in, in, in churches as well. In the hard road when you are an, an addict, you try to show yourself like you are real strong and you are powerful and you have muscles or whatever. But in reality, you, you're just a little chicken because you struggle with a lot of a lot of things in your mind and, and you're losing a lot of things you even uh, going with a lot of trouble to the law and the cops are chasing you and everything is falling apart so um, I remember that when my attitude was like try to prove that I was really strong it was a big lie because in reality I was so weak and I think the only one that was really helping me was God himself. Because I, I established a relationship with God. And, and how did you do that? Uh, by praying. By praying. Try to uh, communicate with God every day. Uh, try to ask him for guidance. Try to stay away from the people that he was not having any communication with God. Because it's one of the main problems that we have in society right now. And I see it with my own eyes. Uh, like right now what is going on in, in, in this nation. A lot of people, they, they know they are in pain. They know they are in challenges. They know that they struggle with so many things. But they don't want to go to God. They don't want to go and and prayer and they don't want to say hey god you know i cannot handle this business i cannot handle this and that can you help me man i think i think what you're saying is right i think we live in a in a nation that has forgotten about god 
a long time ago. I mean, you think about how many abortions are done every day and how many alcoholics and drug addicts are around. And in, in the most basic form, when someone is given over to sin, they're basically saying, I want to do what I want to do. I don't care about what you want, God. And, and that's just a, a broken relationship between man and God. I used to do, I used to do this uh, every time that, um, I don't know if you heard about that bird that it goes uh, and hides its face under the sand. Ostrich? Yeah. <laughs> that bird I remember in so many ways myself. Uh, comparing myself to that bird is the way that people are acting right now in this world. And I mean, in our, in our nation, we acting that way. We hiding our faces under the sand and leaving all the body behind, like showing up whole butt that we have, leaving it. So you're saying we're, we're, we're choosing to be ignorant of everything around us. We're choosing just to, to run afraid and not deal with our problems. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And, then, and that it reminds me exactly when I was an addict and alcoholic. Because I was hiding all the time behind the drink, behind this, the cocaine, and I was like hiding, 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 hiding. Try to escape from reality. Joseph, so uh, I, I really appreciate your honesty right now. So yeah. a lot of people look at a drug addict and they say the drugs are the problem. If you can get rid of the drugs, then the problem goes away. But another point of view would be the drugs are a symptom. There's a different problem. Not everyone does drugs just because they want to have fun or, or, or get high. A lot of people do drugs because they're hiding from something, hiding. just like you said. They're hiding. They, they cannot find any other way to hide like that bird that you was telling me. Ostrich. Yeah. They're hiding. And I know that everybody does that for hiding. I was one of them. So, jo Joseph, what were you hiding from? For my stupidity, most of all. <laughs> I was so stupid in so many ways. I was not accomplish anything. I was, if I was trying to um, make a project and one day I would never finish that project. I was leaving everything have done. I was never was responsible to finish what I start. And that wasn't just because of alcohol. That's just the way you were even when you were sober, right? Exactly. And so basically, would you say that you saw yourself as a failure in life in different ways, and the way to escape from those feelings of failure was the alcohol. Yeah, it was just hiding behind doors all the time, and I was not facing whatever was going my way or whatever I was breaking or something. I was not showing my face to the, to the real world, and um, it was disgusting. I mean, my attitude was so disgusting. <laughs> Wow, man. I really appreciate your honesty. So, yeah. so Joseph, um, wh when was the last time that you uh, did drugs or, or um, got drunk? It's going to be right now, and I celebrate every Christmas with cookies, cereal, and ice cream. And I get drunk with my milk every day, <laughs> for real. <laughs> I get drunk with milk. Even I said it the first time, even if I'm going to have diarrhea, I'm going to celebrate it with a gallon <laughs> A milk. <laughs> you know, I was just going to ask if I could come to your next celebration, but I don't know if I want to come now. <laughs> I was, I am. How, how many years ago? Uh, 25 years, sir. That's great. And so, 
So I see you out here today. You, you got your beach chair uh, across the way there. You, you, got your, you got some kind of a contraption with a speaker on it. You're listening to music. Um, I you, like music because I am a musician. And I like the, um, the worship music. Uh, I like Christian music. I like the kind of music that is fun to worship the Lord. I like the music that it makes sense. I don't like any kind, just any kind of music. I like music that really makes sense. Uh, some kind of music that you can enjoy it. Okay, okay, that makes sense. That's, you, you, you actually think and you, and you care about what's coming into your, your brain. That's, that, that's good. So Joseph, let me ask you this. A little while ago, you had said that um, one of, one of your, your biggest thoughts was just the question, what is life all about? There's got to be more than this. It's got to be more than just mere existence, getting up, going to sleep, getting up, going to sleep. Um, have, you, have you come to a conclusion of what the answer is for that? Or is that, or is that something you're still seeking? I'm going to answer that uh, in the best, honest way that I, that I could, uh, that I can. Um, I think the best that anybody can feel in the whole wide world is to help one another, is to help anybody that's in jeopardy, is to share whatever you got in your pocket or whatever you're eating that is, can be the most awesome meal that you're eating and, the, and during the day. And if you can share with somebody is hungry, I think that it can be part of the purpose that God has sent us to this world to do, to, to help one another. So you're saying that the purpose in life isn't just to satisfy ourselves. The purpose in, in life is to love one another. Exactly, sir. That's great, and, and that's, that's, that's a teaching that's straight from the pages of Scripture, and it seems like you know that. The other thing that I believe that God is asking us every day to do something better with our lives, create something better every day for our lives, and not only for our lives, but for the lives of others. God makes this beautiful world for us to enjoy everything that we have in this world. But he also make our world to take care of this world and whoever is in this world. I, I believe in this way. We're living in the spacecraft. Spacecraft. This earth is a spacecraft. Yeah. And we are living in this spacecraft like a flying saucer. And everybody's a neighbor. And that is space saucer. We don't have any other place to go. I don't believe that we have another place to go. For now, I don't believe that we have another place to go. Isn't it interesting that right now there are people working on trying to get humanity into space to live on the moon or live on some, uh, you know, man-made space station. And a part of that is because people see this world as just falling apart, dying, and we're trying trying to get somewhere better. That's the dream. There's got to be somewhere better than this. Um, and the issue is people aren't looking at the real problem, and that's just the, the sin of man. But the sin of man, which causes 
wars and fights and all kinds of bad stuff. But interesting that he's he's basically saying we're all on this spaceship and uh, we all got to learn to get along. Why can't we all just get along? So if we can take care of this space crap that we live in in the space, let's put it that way, maybe they will last longer because otherwise it will come the time that we're not going to have this space crap no more. And everything is going to fall apart and everything is going to fly away in pieces in the skies. So Joseph, when you look around at the world, do you see a world that's getting better or do you see a world that's that's getting worse and falling apart like a like a spaceship that's that's about to be destroyed what do you see i see that everybody is not doing the right thing to preserve this spacecraft that i believe is so beautiful we're not doing anything to preserve what god created for us to enjoy it and to be happy so joseph let me ask you this what are some things that you're doing in order to live the life that you think that we should be living? What are, what are some ways that you are loving your neighbor? If I can help in any way, I can do it. Um, I used to do a lot of bad things for my neighbors. Now I'm doing and I'm trying to do the opposite for my neighbors. Well, just, just, so, just so we have an understanding, what were some of the, the bad things you used to do to your neighbors? There are a lot of people they, they steal. They take away stuff that doesn't belong to them. So you used to do that? Yes. I don't do those things anymore. Now, were you doing those things to, to get your drugs? Or was that something you were doing while you are on drugs? Or um, did that keep going on after you became sober? sober or, or what's the story there? I, I was doing that when I was intoxicated. Most of the time when I was doing bad things, I was... It was a time when I was intoxicated. I never do something bad, so bad that I can remember. But it's still there stupid little things in, in make uh, my life miserable because I was not feeling happy with myself afterwards. So Joseph, let me let me ask you this. It's been it's been 25 years since you um, became sober. And you seem to have some kind of relationship with God now. A person has a very loud radio. <laughs> Would you say that at this point in your life, you're, you're completely satisfied with the way your, your life is going and with your relationship with God and just how things are right now? It's been changing a lot in my life. Uh, I think God now is protecting me day by day. He's been providing, and I, and I believe it's been my provider every day because he provides everything that I need that, uh, every day. Um, I don't believe that I have the, the money that I used to have because I used to have so much money. I used to have luxury cars, a lot of jewelry, my own home, my own apartments and so on. But now it's limited. I don't have like I used to, but I'm still surviving with what I have. And what I have, I know it comes from God. It doesn't come from anybody. Because I don't have a steady job. I'm not receiving a social security check every month or unemployment or you name it. Do you have a, a place to live and do you have uh, three meals a day? Or are you, are you kind of sustained that way? I live in my vehicle, one of my vehicles. 
How long have you been living there for? Um, it's going to be like three months that I live in my vehicle. And before there, where were you living? I was living in another vehicle. <laughs> okay. How, lo how long have you lived in vehicles? <laughs> and um, I used to live in one of my motorhomes, and uh, I lost my motorhome, and I lost another vehicle. But I've been living in vehicles, I think, for more than um, six years or so. Would you say that that is kind of a long-term effect of, of when you were an addict, or is no, that something no. totally different? No, it's different because I've been not a, I've been not an not an addict lately, and I don't need any of that. And I've been just living because uh, I've been living in the vehicles because not because I want to. It's because I've been not having the right resources to rent uh, an apartment or, uh, or to get an uh, whatever better. What what happened? If you don't mind me asking, did you, did you lose a job or how is it that you ended up living in your uh, vehicles? I lost my jobs. I lost my um, my personal income because I create my own income, and um, because of the crisis right now in the country. But I I live uh, in the way I in a comfy way because I I eat whatever I want to eat. I can provide myself with a nice food every day. I think in the way I am so so, but not really like the rest of the people. They have a decent bed or a decent shower. I take showers over here in the in the beach, to be honest. Sure. And I enjoy it, even if I don't. Uh, I, even if I cannot make myself naked like I want to, like I used to when I was having a shower in my home. Well, I'm thankful that you don't do that here at the beach. <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy because I thank God in the way he provides everything that I need in this beautiful spaceship that we live in. I'm happy. I'm happy because I don't have the need for drugs, alcohol. I know that sometimes I get desperate like everybody else, but I don't do the stupid things that I used to do. Were there any long-term physical effects from your addiction? Maybe it's something changed the way you think or it changed your brain or it changed your ability to do something. Is there, is there anything you can look back and say, you know what, being drunk all the time, it really messed me up in this way? I remember when I was in, in drugs and alcohol, I was a real violent person. What, what, what kind of things did you used to do as a violent person? Sure, somebody was asking me something and wanted to talk to me, I, would, I respond with my fist. <laughs> I'm glad you're not like that right now. <laughs> and so it, was that while you were drunk you would do that? Exactly, and I was like real aggressive, but now I don't think I'm an aggressive person. I, I can be just like a puppy. You seem like a nice guy to me. <laughs> I am like a puppy. I just, I don't like violence. I walk away from violence every time that I encounter some, some people that you, it was exactly like me or worse. I walk away from violence. That's, that's pretty wise. All right. So at this point, we are halfway through this interview. <laughs> this is a long one. And so I am going to actually... Uh, cut it and we're going to pick it up next time but before i do that i just want to mention a couple things about joseph so at this point 
I still do not know if Joseph is a Christian or not. It's possible that he is, you know, but it's possible that he is not. Sometimes people who turn from a sin like uh, alcoholism or, you know, maybe someone who was a criminal and then they reformed their ways and now they are managing to keep themselves out of trouble. Sometimes people in that situation, they think of God and they just figure that since they're no longer being bad, they are now accepted by God and they will go and go to heaven when they die. And this is very common. I've met former alcoholics who are extremely prideful in the fact that they no longer are alcoholics you know, they, they might even have an attitude of, well, you know, I am stronger than even most Christians that I know. So if anyone's going to heaven, I definitely am. And it is definitely good to turn. It's definitely good to repent from a sin, turn away from a sin. But the issue is without Jesus, there is no payment for, for sin, for the sin the person's already done. It's not like the way to get to heaven is to clean up your act and now you're a good person and now you go to heaven. No, the issue is all of us have sinned, whether we've done it in a radical way of being drunk for 10 years or whether we've done it just in a simple way of ignoring God. Whatever the case is, all of us have sinned. All of us fall short of the glory of God. That's why we need a Savior. And so I'm going to get into that with Joseph. I'm going to ask him some questions. We really haven't even gotten to the gospel presentation part yet. I know a lot of information about him at, at this point. But I am going to get there. Now, this could have turned into a very long um, expose on Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, addiction in general. And even though I touched on it, I do want to leave you with some some things. I don't want to just leave you with, uh, oh, AA is, is bad, because Eddie says. No, actually, um, I think the reason a lot of Christians go to AA is because they look at the church and there's kind of nothing there for them. There are many pastors who, if you go to them, they really don't know much about alcohol, you know, issues. And so they're going to send you to a Christian counselor. They're going to even send you to, to AA because in their eyes, there's really nothing they can do. And that's sad. And that's part of the reason I'm currently in training to become a certified biblical counselor because I see the need People go to church and they have some radical, crazy issue. And it's not like a one-time pray this prayer and you're fixed type of thing. You know, biblical counseling has helped a lot of people, and I've actually witnessed it, go from being a a hardcore addict um, to no longer being drawn into the sin of uh, being a drunk or or taking drugs and, and... I want to be a part of that process for someone um, in any way I can. So that's why I'm currently going through the the training. And so what I will say is this. If you or someone you know is struggling with alcoholism, and it's common in the church, people go to church every week, and there's all kinds of stuff going on that the rest of the church doesn't know about at home. And if, if that describes you or someone you know, I will say this. If you or someone you know is dealing with the sin of being a drunk, alcoholism, you can go to another counseling organization and get biblical help. The Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, um, and their website is simply biblicalcounseling.com. 
www.thepowerofcounseling.com. You can go there and find a counselor in you in your area who will help you in a biblical manner, not disregarding what the Bible says about God and about sin, but actually using the Bible to help you in overcoming this sin, right? So biblicalcounseling.com, that is a place where you can go to, to get help. And even if you're not a Christian, even if you're listening to this because you're just curious, maybe you met me on the street and I gave you my card and now you're listening to this thing. The Bible has a lot to say about how we overcome sin. Anyway, so at some point in the future, I really would like to do a program on addiction. Maybe I'll find some Christian counselor who knows a whole lot more about this than me and we'll, we'll get him on the show. But for now... We now have Joseph's foundation. We know what he's been through, what he is uh, currently out of, and we know that he has a very basic understanding of his sin. So next week, we'll be giving him the gospel and seeing what he does with it. All right, see you next time. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a good review on iTunes. This is the best way for others to notice Romans Road and give it a listen. The more Christians listening and learning how to evangelize, the more we glorify the Lord. Ray Comfort here. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please take a moment to do so now. On your phone's podcast app, search for Romans Road, and when you find it, hit subscribe. It's free, and by doing so, you'll get all episodes past, present, and future. Then when you're finished, head over to livingwaters.com for a huge collection of evangelism videos, articles, tracks, and resources to help you share the gospel with those around you. That's livingwaters.com. Thanks for listening to Roman's Road. If you want to learn how to evangelize, check out my book, Search and Rescue, available at eddyroman.com. On my website, you'll also find videos and other things to encourage you to preach the gospel to your friends and family. That's eddyroman.com. See you next time. Yeah.